How's your day going? I had a weird day, but I think it's going to be pretty weird from now until April 15th at this point. I think I'm in it. I'm in tax season now, guys. Living the dream, helping people find their write-offs that they didn't know existed. It's true. I really enjoy it. Um, I don't want to plug it too much, but seriously, I, I have found, I know we always talk about this, but I just love my job so much. I'm a helper. Like I, that's all I really wanted to do. And this way I can actually do it in a way like that actually helps people. Yeah, that's good. I think that's really important, especially right now with everything going on. Yeah. I just hope that you're doing great work. Well, I hope so. Like, I hope it's not too much like I get out of touch and I'm working for, I don't know. That's how I felt at the last job, I suppose. A little bit. Sorry if you're listening to this coworker. <laughs> Ex coworker, yeah. former coworker. This is Sex with Ghosts, hosted by your favorite co hosts, Molly McBreen and Bridget Flaherty. Today, we are talking dwarfism. I'm leading with dwarfism, which probably shows I'm an ableist or a problematic person. I created our Google Doc uh, listener behind the scene action, and I entitled it Natalia Grace because I think that she is the one who this whole story is about. An amazing woman with an amazing journey that we will tell you all the great deeds. Yeah, I don't think we can say quite now that she's an amazing woman, but maybe after we get through this podcast, we can kind of think about that. Yes, there, there are a lot of horrific facts and figures into this, but I think by the end of it, things are kind of coming up, Natalia Grace. Yeah, I think so. I think we we will preview that a uh, little little spoiler for y'all. But first, I'm going to give a brief synopsis of what the hell we're talking about. Hell yeah. We are talking about Natalia Grace Barnett, a Ukrainian person with dwarfism who was adopted by Michael Barnett and his wife, Christine Barnett in Indiana in 2010. They sound like normal people. They are pretty normal. They have three children one at least one of them is biological but they they do they're part of i think they have it i i wish i knew that but i don't know i mean in a good way none of the articles really go into like the other children because i don't really want to well one of them because one of them's a genius yes, that one is definitely he has made his own headlines but this one is about the adoption because they adopt this girl they think she's six and from the ukraine and by 2013, they no longer believe that she is a young child or perhaps from the Ukraine. Um, they move to Canada. They leave Natalia in an apartment in Lafayette, Indiana. And a year later, are charged with neglect of a minor and neglect of a person with disability. That's the over overview, right? Yep. Uh, what do you call it? A top level, a hundred foot view kind of thing oh okay yeah. i'm never is that like uh if you have a real job yeah i've heard it like let's let's ping it and do a top level view later yeah i think it is kind of businessy term we'll talk offline i'm trying to think of other ones but those are the only ones i can think of I, so you probably have heard of this story because in it was in like 2013 that this arrest happens and the story blows up but well, really blows up it like uh wasn't it 2019 because the mom and if i'm jumping way far ahead you can stop me but the mom christine barnett publishes these issues in a daily mail article that blew up the internet i see okay so i didn't actually know that but that makes complete sense so that's when people started talking and been like what the hell is going I on i see see i was kind of i came into the story a pretty new i had not heard of it like many of the things that we talk about and so i <laughs> i just kind of assumed that it happened 
right away, but interesting. It's very interesting. Because most of this is like in Indiana and it's someone who used to live in Chicago and I'm sure Molly can attest to this as a previous Chicagoan. Weird shit happens in Indiana all the time. It's like a landlocked Florida, essentially. If Florida didn't exist, we'd be talking about the Indiana man. I think that's true. I would agree with that assessment. No one really paid any attention to this in 2013, 14, when most of this stuff occurred. But anticipating the lawsuit, the mom, Christine Barnett, she tells Daily Mail, she does an interview with Daily Mail. Now, if you're not familiar with Daily Mail... I believe it's a British publication, but it's trash. It's like their version of the New York Post, I would say. So like there might be some truth to the articles, but they have been sued a lot by getting it wrong a lot. And I think it's actually referred to as a tabloid versus I think the Daily or the New York Post still thinks it's an newspaper even though it's very tabloidy not that i could tell you the dictionary definition between the two that's an interesting question i feel like it's partially because the u.s has such like strange tabloids that americans think that it has to like look a certain way or something when i mean if you're doing the gossip dish stuff then maybe you should just be tabloid kind of thing oh yeah so this is saying but is that wikipedia is saying it's a right tabloid. oh there it is yeah so i i think that that is good i mean that's that's kind of what we're saying click on tabloid and see what it, it says okay so it, it didn't actually okay i was wrong it does have to do with the size which is funny because i i mean i always you always know that a tabloid's small but didn't realize that I was actually part of the whole terminology. That's funny because so if you're a tabloid and it's due to the size of your paper, yeah, yeah. which then also probably equates to the type of news you're producing. Because if you were an established, like we're doing quality news, you'd probably take the time to have a proper quote unquote newspaper format. But uh, if you're just spindling shitty stories, you're not going to put the money into the actual newspaper format. So it's like saying we know we're trash and we're selling you trash and you're going to buy it because you like trash. Another thing that I always thought of was it's kind of more like a magazine size. And so it's just, you know, like those magazines are for entertainment and tabloids for entertainment. If you're using the Daily Mail or the New York Post as sources in any ideology you have, you should probably really question what it is you believe in. I was going to say, just don't. Or just don't. I think that's also healthy advice. Uh, so in 2019, around this time, and I guess this all makes sense now, I kind of, I feel a little bit dumb for not making that connection, but uh, there's a GMA interview with Mark Michael Barnett. There's this Daily Mail interview with Christine Barnett. There's a Dr. Oz interview with Michael Barnett and a few other people in their lives. And then there is a Dr. Phil interview with Natalia herself. That's how like morning shows and all this stuff finds their content now. It's like, what's the internet talking about? And because that Daily Mail article, everyone who's like on a spectrum of weird was like, what is going on? And we'll get into why, because obviously there's a lot of details to this that just get like weirder and weirder. It's true. It's true. Like even her adoption was weird. Yep, absolutely. You know what? We could just start there because it is really weird. The Barnetts were looking at adopting a child. Initially, they wanted to adopt a child from Haiti, but in 2010, with the earthquake, I believe, they that was put on hold. So they get a call, and it is there is a six year old Ukrainian girl with dwarfism who needs an emergency adopt. The Barnets only have 24 hours to say yes. In hindsight, they find it a little bit suspicious, but at the time they were okay. They go to Florida. Wait, so this is how outrageous Florida is. Well, actually, so Florida actually does have laws. This is kind of the sketchy, There, there's definitely sketchy parts to this story. So Florida, technically you're supposed to 
interview the parent of the person or like the potential house that you're, you're sending this child to. But instead of doing that, they don't do that. And they just kind of, it seems like they're cold calling the Vernets for whatever reason. They're saying, you seem like you would be a good fit for this child. Come down here. You have 24 hours. Now, do you think they were cold calling or it sounds like they, they have other adoptive children. So are they part of some sort of adoption racket? It kind of, it definitely seems like that for sure. It's not like unheard of that they would have gotten her name, but this adoption agency is in a strip mall and they don't ever do this uh, house check, which they're supposed to by law in Florida. Uh, yeah, we went to the strip mall to get a dog, came back with this five-year-old. <laughs> Yeah, very, very. I feel like that's very Florida, right? Can we say that? Uh, we have a Florida listener who's offended. Hey, technically, please tell us technically, why you're offended. Uh, I, my residence is Florida. So. And what's your emotional connection to Florida? Well, I do really like going to see my father-in-law a lot. <laughs> nice, nice save there. True, it's true. It's a wonderful place. So this is a little bit on the kind of speculative side. But apparently when Natalia walks in, she immediately calls them mommy and daddy. In hindsight, they think that's a little weird. That's like, I feel like that has to be extremely uncommon, especially if you're already adopted. You don't have, like, you've sealed the deal. You can call them anything you want. So now a little bit of backstory on Natalia. She had been with 30 families in the two years between her initial adoption from Ukraine until the Barnett. Approximately 30 families. No one really knows the truth. That's a lot of families. Yeah, it's a lot of families. And that would be my also another uh, red flag, I suppose. If you've been with 30 families and you're immediately calling these people mommy and daddy, it's like, wow, you're either, I mean, Obviously, you're desperate for, I don't know, affection. But has she been with 30 families who are like all foster care? Or is these 30 families who's tried to adopt her? Like, what's the Yeah, it sounds like it is more of a 30 families with some ranging from four days foster care kind of situations to others where it was like they were planning on adopting her, but something went wrong which we'll go into nice or another life event happened and they could not go through with the adoption that sort of thing is probably more common as like a child ages yeah definitely i mean in this case we'll get into why it's like super weird but in a normal average adoption case the longer you're in the system the weirder shit probably gets. yeah i think that makes sense i don't like dr phil but i think that no one does yeah if you like dr phil you should stop reading the new york post but i think he had a pretty good take on this story he was saying yeah 30 families does sound like a lot but who knows if that's the actual number that includes the four-day stints a lot of things happen in the foster care system so this is not completely surprised but he does note that there are suspicious things within that 30 family period that could be suspicious oh yeah i'm sure like 30 families you've at least met a few perverts and probably a few scammers yeah yeah my the saddest part to me was this initial story i mean this is probably not the saddest part there's a lot of sad parts of the story but one of them was that this initial family who adopts her from the ukraine they actually come to the ukraine to get her so they've like chosen this girl to bring home with them and so they take her to new hampshire and she lives with them wait so her real family has come for her no no this is like her initial adopting family oh so the whole reason she's even in the united states is because a family tried to adopt her from the ukraine right which is pretty what like i've heard was there a Black Mirror episode about this? Yes, I believe so. The children they're sending over is a very interesting, more like a market than it is about social welfare. Right. I guess. But my problem is that, like, that's definitely a problem. But I think the maybe bigger problem is that this like, I feel like it's the fault of that initial family. Like, why are you 
going to get a child from the Ukraine if you're not in it for the long haul. The, the same people who are getting kids from overseas, and this isn't the case for everyone because your mom, your mom's kind of uh, sure. the exception. There was a war going on. Yeah, it's a little bit different. But I would say at least since the 1980s, the same people who are getting kids overseas are the same people who will get a designer dog and send the dog back if the dog doesn't behave. And that doesn't mean that everyone does that, but it's the same sort of privilege of like, if I can buy you, I can also (laughs) toss you. It's gross. And it makes me very uncomfortable and very sad because I don't know. I think we've all heard those stories about women who think that they're not really giving up their children and then they are and they don't realize it's forever and then they're sad and they don't get their children back. They've been dick around women on childbirth for a long time here. Definitely true. So this adoption, this initial adoption ends because as Natalia puts it, she is very close with one of the sons, the other sons, and they are wrestling one day and she falls on him wrong and she breaks her adopted brother's arm and the mother says i can't take this anymore and then sends her back. and dr phil kind of points it out like anymore that means like there was some issues before and natalia claims she doesn't remember most of it she thought it was fine and i mean she's she may have been a very young child so that wouldn't make I mean, that wouldn't be completely surprising. That's funny. She, Dr. Phil tried to do a gotcha. That's like definitely a move he likes to do that people, I think, really enjoy. The Dr. Phil gotcha. The funny thing about this all, even like from a physical, like physically, people do not know how old this girl is. She likely does not even know how old she is. There's just so much vagueness in that alone that she can fuck she has so much power to fuck with people. It's like going to the bar underage. <laughs> well, I got in here, didn't I? <laughs> You've already served me. What are you going to do now? Just don't write your real age on a job application. I think some girls did that to work at the mill. <laughs> that's when they started IDing people. Oh, again. no. That's the worst. It was like days before my 21st birthday. <laughs> I think I remember that story, too. Um, initially, Christine Barrett, pretty much from day one, supposedly, finds suspicious things about Natalia. One of the first things that is pointed out is that she says that Natalia had pubic hair and was menstruating. Now, I see in your notes you wrote a horrible story. <laughs> yes, I think it's really horrifying. So what happens is... That Christine Barrett sees some blood. And so she forces Natalia to put in a tampon. And then when she pulls it out, there's like spotting on it. And she says, see, you were menstruating or whatever. But she never wears one again. Like there's there's no other menstruation in the entire time they're with each other. I, when I When I read that story, it was pointed out in uh, the source that I was reading, it's like, if you're sticking a tampon in a small child who's not actually menstruating, like maybe you're causing that blood. Oh yeah, you you stretch out the vaginal walls, which would cause tearing in some blood. It's just really sad to think about because even if you're not a small child, like it'd be traumatizing. Yeah, no one should be forcing you to shove a tampon in your vagina. Yeah. It seems like there's a better test to know if you're bleeding than just shoving a tampon in your adoptive daughter's vagina. So I would say the point goes to Natalia in this one. I mean, the broken arm scenario with the first family, we don't know what's going on with her, so she can't win that one. But someone forcing a tampon in your vagina, I think you get the point. Yep, it's true. This is all, this is pretty much during 2010. Also during 2010, uh, she gets a bone density test, which concludes she's eight years old instead of the six that the adoption agency put forth. However, it is said in many circles that adoption agencies are constantly lying about the age of their children because people don't want to adopt 
older children. So that's just no one wants an old dog part of it. I don't know. It just it's kind of setting things up. They are doing bone density tests on her in 2010, pretty much right after she gets adopted. So they are suspicious. They've been in this racket before. And I, I feel like that's not too wild of a thing because I guess I say that because like there are a lot of weird details to the story where it feels like where normally a bone density test would be invasive because of her behavior if if these parents are really telling the truth which seeing how Natalia did you watch the interview or did did. you read the transcript so, I mean, she kind of comes off as suspicious. Yes. I think the suspicious part for me was definitely how prepared she was. I did feel like it felt a little rehearsed. And that's not saying that that she was lying. It just the idea that, like, she has it in her head that this is the story. Like, you know, people, young people convince themselves of things all the time and not say, I'm like I'm literally not saying that she's lying but it's just something to point out she thought about it this is not a surprise none of these questions are surprises she knew what she was gonna say yeah yeah I'm sure that was part of the agreement like she'll do your show if we can see the questions in advance so even when he tried to gotcha I'm sure they were prepared for the gotcha definitely and part of the gotcha is also like they Dr. Phil is like, so you're not a 30-year-old sociopath who's trying to kill the family. And it's like, that's extreme. It's not. Yeah, no one's going to jump on that guy. It's not one or the other. He will never have his jinx moment. (laughs) So continuing on, the Barnetts think she's older. And in 2012, they take it to the Marion County Superior Court in Indianapolis who decides that Natalia was born in 1989 based on the quote-unquote medical evidence. So now she is, they've, they've aged her up. In 2010, the bone density test concluded she was eight instead of six, but now she is 22. And that alleviates a lot of their responsibility because at this point, by 2012, besides the, the weird menstruation, They've had a lot of problems with her. Yes. Do you wanna wait? You wanna talk about some oh. weird things that happened? So yeah, they rush it to the Supreme Court of the of Marion County because they've had a lot of behavioral issues. So I think they're looking for ways to alleviate their responsibility. Um, I guess I'll go through the list here. That this is what Michael Barnett told Good Morning America. He claims that there was place clear thumbtacks on the stairs face up. Oh, she would stand in the room. And it's so funny. I've heard this story enough times that I always picture the family guy monkey. But she stands in their room with a knife threatening to stab them. Do you have details about this? Poisoning him with lemon pledge? Yeah, so a lot of the stories say it's with this bleach, but... In the in her account of the story, it's lemon pledge, which I mean, it's still poison, poison, poison. I don't know. In Natalia's account, yes, in Natalia's. So account. she does own up to this. No, she says that. So, so her story. This is an interesting one because she and she says this on Doctor Phil. She thinks that she was set up because in this instance, she's cleaning. She's cleaning with the lemon pledge, and she is like oh you missed a stop spot on this table and christine's coffee is there so natalia claims she moved the copy over to clean with the lemon pledge then christine comes in and she's like did you poison me or something like that and natalia's like no and then christine says all right are you sure you didn't do it like this and then apparently she gets natalia to reenact what it would be like to poison her coffee. And then Christine takes a picture and says, well, now I have proof that you tried to poison me. What? It's a pretty bonker story. And I'm not sure 
what the truth is in there but has she posted a story or uh pictures do you know I don't if no i never saw them it does feel like that might be something that the daily mail might have that's hilarious but they may have not gone quite that far either did she push christine into an electric fence Yes, and they say that she tried to push her into an electric fence. We need to remember at this point that she is she is a person with dwarfism. On top of that, she also has scoliosis. She is very small, and she has trouble walking. And so in a lot of the refutes of this, it's like, could she have really pushed over an adult woman? And I think biological children do shit like that too not that that justifies her behavior but i don't think that those things all have to do with age i guess i i'm saying like all this yeah all this fucked up stuff could just be a problematic adoption it definitely could be it definitely could be a lot of what christine and michael are kind of the, the narrative they're pushing is that Natalia is also very explicit about wanting to kill them, wanting to kill their sons. And she says this out loud. She writes it in journals. She explains in detail how she's going to kill people. So that part is, I mean, that's definitely part of their narrative. I mean, I've never seen any proof of this and I don't know that they have any proof of it. But that's what they say. I think my favorite detail about this whole thing is that she's a she was a cigarette smoker. I did read about that, but I never came up with where that came from. But I do have a suspicion, which we will get to. But before that, I do want to mention that she is placed in a psychiatric facility for about a year in 2012. And the only reason they're able to put her in the psychiatric facility is because they've determined courts have determined that she's 22 because previously being a young child like it it wasn't gonna work or whatever so that was like a big part of why they also wanted to do it besides the not having to take responsibility for a child and supposedly in the psychiatric facility she confesses to wanting to kill people supposedly there's people at that psychiatric facility that back up these claims of Michael and Christine. It's such a weird thing because we're talking about someone's mental health. If you were falsely put into a psychiatric facility, do you think there's a good chance if you're being medicated, even if especially if you don't need to be medicated, that you're probably going to say and do things that would not like there's no way you could put someone in a psychiatric facility and then tell people this is a normal functioning person. Right. I, I think this is my naivety naivete naiveness but these doctors these medical records they should all be there and i know that they're not and records are hard to come by and all that kind of stuff but it doesn't feel like it should be that hard to get the reason why she was sent to a psychiatric facility on the record to find on the record why she was sent there yeah because i feel like if we knew that if they had physical proof that she was writing out, I want to kill you and this is how I'm going to do it. I mean, at least that gives us a little bit of information about Natalia Grace. But because we don't know that, then perhaps she was just sent there because the parents didn't want to deal with her. In your research, you couldn't find a published cause. But what are the laws in Indiana? Do you just need two adults to commit you? Because that's a fairly common thing, right? Yeah, I like, guess. I think in some states, as long as it's like family or some sort of proximity and there's two adults, you just need two adults that are somehow in proximity of relation who can commit you. That, that seems very dangerous. Oh, yeah. You'd be admitted to that facility and then because it's non- voluntary then the doctor would declare when you're okay to leave but if you admit yourself for whatever reason and even if you don't have a reason other than you just don't mentally feel well then you can if you admit yourself you can leave whenever you want Hmm. i think that's 
how it works. Interesting. Uh, I did read in some accounts that say that this stay in the psychiatric facility, some of these doctors came, quote unquote, came to the conclusion that she was older than she was. Or there was also like, she admitted that she was older than she was. But there's no like record of this. I don't know how much of it is true. Oh, yeah. I bet there's some sort of like patient privacy. Yes, that's true. And since most of our information is from tabloids and like tabloid adjacent entertainment, I'm sure that there was like minimal efforts to get some of this information completely correct. Yeah. Yeah. Especially since it's so easy to commit someone. Yeah. I think in most states. Eesh, eesh. So this is just the beginning of where she's treated as an adult. And in this section, so the Barnets have the other children, as we know. Their oldest child is autistic, but he is a genius. And so he is admitted to a college in university a program in Canada. Now, his story is that he was homeschooled by Christine because he was such a problematic autistic child. So she was like, I'm going to have to take care of him if he's ever going to have a future. And then she wrote a book about her success case because he did so well with his homeschooling education that he got admitted into one of Canada's top colleges. Yes, yes. I don't want to downplay the abilities of someone who's autistic. Like it's very clear historically that a lot of autistic people are geniuses. But I think it's really funny that this kind of griftery family (laughs) does get a son who's well-adjusted enough to go to one of the top schools in Canada. That's my thoughts on the family in general. A lot of the things that they do seem really griftery. Like in some articles, they describe Christine as like a motivational speaker. And what does motivational speaker scream to you? Scream to me, grifter. I I think that name name one motivational speaker that does not have a grifter history. True, it's true. So this I'm waiting for people to call out Brene Brown. No, people love her, and I am. I like a lot of the things she has to say. I haven't dabbled. I'm I'm too scared. I saw what Oprah did too. Her uh, I mom's didn't, generation. Oh, I did not read about that, but her short video on empathy is very good and everyone should watch it. But this is the time when when Natalia's left in an apartment in Lafayette alone for a year with her rent paid and access to food stamps and other programs like that because she is technically 22 at this point and she can be an adult. And whenever. this is... Lafayette, Indiana. Yeah. So it's not even the fun Lafayette, which I think is in Louisiana. I think this is the period of time where some people may say that she was smoking cigarettes because she was going to adult education classes to get her GED at this time. So she's hanging out with a bunch of adults. So if she was technically, she would have been 10 at this point if she really is born in 2003. And Oh, I just can a lot of 10 year olds, a lot of 10 year olds start smoking. They used to even more. And if you're a 10 year old in Indiana, you probably are at least smoking a pack a day. Cigarettes are cheap there. Probably true. But I just, I mean, she's, she's living in an apartment alone. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I didn't read any actual accounts of that, but. I just figured. And 10 is like an age too where like at 10, I felt like I was very mature. Like looking back now, of course, I'm like, you were a dumb kid. But 10, I I thought, oh, I think I got a grip on this. I'll pay taxes. Yeah. Give me a job. I'm 10. I want a cigarette. Sure. I don't, I probably wasn't quite there, but I can understand that other 10 year olds may have been. Your parents must have loved each other. They do. (laughs) Oh, that's so adorable. It is. <laughs> so I guess a year into her stay by herself, she stops on the stoop of this house, gets some shade while she's walking somewhere. And it happens to be the 
family of the Mans, and Antoine Man is a Mans is a creature, and his wife Cynthia. I think they have one biological child, and they've adopted three others. And so this couple pretty much takes her in at this point. And they are the ones who have been supporting her since. They come with her on Dr. Phil. Uh, in a, I think in a lot of people's minds, the positives are that this new family, they love her regardless of how old she is. And I think that's really important because a lot of people think that she probably isn't 16. When you look at the interview, she doesn't look 16. She doesn't look 30 either, but she doesn't look 16. She's alone in the apartment. She's living with this new family. They take care of her. They're on the circuit. But this all started happening. And like we started with Christine's article to Daily Mail. Now, because we are at a point where we're talking about these arrests for Christine and Michael Barnett for being negligent parents... That's the speculation of why that she did this interview with the Daily Mail was because they knew they were in trouble for whatever, whatever age this girl woman is. They didn't really handle it very well. I mean, even if you're 22 and your adoptive parents, like the whole thing is sus. It is. If you're 22, then why, why even bother paying her rent right. for a year? Right. I just want to remind people who may not have any physical disabilities that she is a woman with dwarfism and scoliosis. And we didn't really talk about this, but dwarfism, her version of it is actually pretty, I don't know if severe is the right word, but there's different forms. And the idea is that she's very small. Like all of her body parts are equally small and there's no way that she could reach the counters. And it was just a really, really bad situation. Yeah. They didn't take her condition. No, they didn't. At all. They felt that they owed to pay for her apartment for a year or what have you. So she finds these new parents. They want to do something, take legal action, which I think they're absolutely in the right to do so given that you theoretically adopted this person and then abandoned them. And like you said, not only abandoned her, but did not leave her in a situation where she was really apt to survive given her stature, her physical stature. Yes. And besides that, just just to round out the beautiful story, <laughs> she wasn't from Lafayette. They put her in an apartment 45 minutes away from the place she was originally staying. Well, because you can't have people around town talking. Right, exactly. And uh, the news reporters that went there from National News were commenting that they did not think it was a good neighborhood. I think what they said was like, it was some sort of silly phrase like probable cause that there was drug use in the neighborhood or whatever yeah i think lafayette's one of those chicago excerpts there's not a lot of good stuff going on there so knowing that these charges are against her and this this already sounds terrible she went to the daily mail to get her side of the story out and that's probably because it's the only tabloid that would print a terrible story like that and not do the research i'm sure any i bet she went to several news sources or you know air quotes news sources to have this expose done and she went to the one that probably paid her for her story on top of printing the damn thing without doing any other research. That was my thought for sure that they probably paid her for this. Daily Mail did do a little bit of research, including the, but it wasn't quite like the research that they probably should have done, but uh, they do get, they were the, you know what, actually they were the research about the bone density tests in 2010 that concluded she was eight, which doesn't really help her case because yeah, it doesn't help the case. Okay, so if she was eight though, in that bone density test, then that certainly doesn't mean that she was born in 1989. Right, exactly, yeah, it doesn't, it's not supportive. So the Daily Mail is using that as 
I don't know, some sort of journalistic cover or whatever. Like we don't condone the activities of, of uh, Mrs. Christine I Barnett. I, yeah, I don't know. It's it's not good. And it's really interesting as well. And I don't know if this is just because she ended up going to the Daily Mail or not. But a lot of articles do mention that the British are like, more invested in this story than the Americans for whatever reason. Probably because Americans hear this shit and they're just like, yeah, sounds like another day in Indiana. And the British hear that and they're like, oh, Americans, they're just like us. Wait, that's like my, <laughs> I don't know, that was a terrible accent. Oh. Cheerio, Americans, <laughs> just like us. Okay, anyway. Mm-hmm. You need to work on your British accent, Bridget. It's because we do the Australian one a lot ah, around this house. Um, yeah. And uh, it's really made it hard to do British when you're saying flat white. <laughs> I think time. a lot of people have that problem. Uh, also between Canadian and Irish, it just all blends together. Yeah, because they're all found by the same ancestral broken people. It is uh, up to us, Bridget and I, on our podcast to mention that the arrest warrants were issued, Michael and Christine surrendered, and then they were pretty much immediately released on bail. And I just say that because we know that the bail system is shit in this country. Of course, they're not going to spend any time in jail. They're white people. They're white. I don't know if we've said that yet, but uh, these are definitely white people who love to racketeer children. It's true. But I do want to mention on the Dr. Oz interview, they get Cynthia Mann's brother to come on and talk about what he thinks about his sister and what he thinks about the situation. And it's really interesting because it's clear that he doesn't really know why he's there. And he doesn't actually give any like really hot or anything like that he's really pretty uh what judicial about the whole thing dr oz says what age do you think she is and he says 16 20 and then dr oz says well do you think she's older and he's like well no because when we were introduced to her we were introduced to her as a child and so that's what we thought like okay that's fair and then dr oz tries to go into this angle where it's like well did your sister just want the money and the brother's like i don't know i'm not sure maybe what money is there the tired conservative argument against welfare pretty much it's just that like people are having babies to get money including adoption and i'm sure there are cases out there of that kind of thing and we do need to be careful about that but you can't just like push that narrative if it's not true and it's statistically very small right exactly it's like one of those things it's where we know that yeah there was one welfare queen but literally it was probably one a single person it was a single person who was grifting everything that's not representative of people who are actually usually using social services that is an absolute myth and i I think cynthia mann's brother handled it pretty well because he didn't like give in to that he said yeah it's a possibility but i don't it's not like you get millions of dollars for holding on to a random feral child you get like a very small subsidy it's like a Thank you for finding my wallet more than it is like, this is going to bump you out of a different social class. Definitely. And it's important to know even now that Dr. Oz was way, way, way off because the man's tried to go to court and get her age reduced so that they could adopt her, but they were unable to because the court had already declared her 22. And the statute of limitations of that has expired. So they can no longer challenge that because it was up to the state to challenge it when it first went in. And no one did. And so now it's final, quote unquote. And that's where this legal stuff, they're running into some problems because technically she's 22. In the eyes of the court, she's 22. So they're you know, they're struggling with some of the stuff. Yeah, so they're definitely not getting any money. So any relationship yeah, with yeah. this girl woman is pretty authentic. And yeah. I think the court fees involved alone. Right, exactly. Yeah, I agree. Like, it even if you were getting money for this kid because of whatever welfare rhetoric is broken into our brains because of uh, terrible people, the courtroom fees 
it's not like you find someone who's going to pro bono exactly this yeah, case or really yeah. ridiculous it's pretty dumb it's a bad it's a bad take and i'm glad that they didn't actually take the bait on that but there was another person on that same interview that was a little bit believable and it was her one of her former pensters and this was a former pastor of Natalia when she was with the Barnets, presumably. So she would go into church and she would participate in this youth group. And there are there are accounts by other people as well and other children as well saying, you know, she doesn't seem like a child. It's immediately clear that there's going to be rumors that she's older. And no one's going to say this explicitly, but it is kind of a question. And that's still the case, even now in her new uh, neighborhood with the mans, they, they interviewed neighbors who are like, yeah, it's kind of, we don't know how old she is. Well, now it's a little bit different because the story has spread so much and now it's a gossip thing. But how much of that is, does she see, did she actually seem older? And I'm not saying that there is no reason for her to be acting older. Because that's another YouTube video that I went to was a doctor talking about the medical implications of this. And in that, they were saying that there's a lot of different ways that the body can react to this form of dwarfism. And she may look younger, but she's older. But then there's also the idea that she's been through a lot and that ages you up a lot. And there's even a theory that she may have been sexually abused at one yeah, point, which yeah. would also affects your hormones. Exactly, yeah. People who are sexually abused, it's really common for them to sexually develop faster. So like the pubic hair claim that Christina yeah, made, yeah. like that's not necessarily unheard of if she was around the age of eight or 10, if she had been sexually abused before. And it's even more benign than that. Just stress in general kind of fucks up your reproductive system. I don't know if we mentioned this at the beginning, but 10 years old isn't unheard of to menstruate. It just is. Yeah. I got in trouble in fourth grade because another girl in my class got her period. And so in my fourth grade, we were two classes that shared one classroom. At certain times, there'd be like 50 to 60 of us in one classroom. And then throughout the day, it'd be like, this class is going on recess and this other class is going to computer lab. And then we'd be in separate parts of the building. And they kind of did that with different activities. Like one class goes to music and one class goes to PE. And then we'd be all together sometimes for like science class. So there's this girl, she was in the other class. So I only saw her like maybe half the time. And so kids made fun of her for already having her period at the age of 10. And you know what? We were in opposite classes. I wasn't even around when these kids were saying that, but somehow my name got brought up and I had to publicly apologize oh, to her. Oh God. And I was very confused about the whole thing because- they were like, you know what you said? And I was like, I don't know what we're talking, like, I don't even know what we're talking about. And they were like alluding that I knew about her period. It wasn't until even after I apologized that another kid told me like what we were in trouble for. Oh dear. Oh dear. And it was just because she listed off a bunch of names of who made fun of her. And I haven't forgotten about this to this day. <laughs> hear that, Sarah? Another interesting controversy is Michael claiming that he doesn't think she's Ukrainian, which a lot of people kind of use in uh, anti, in uh, Natalia's detriment. The Barnett's favor. So she came to them 18 months after she was adopted from the Ukraine, presumably at age six. And 18 months later, she doesn't know how to speak Ukrainian and she doesn't understand anything when a Ukrainian person comes to the house to speak with her. She doesn't understand anything and she gets really upset and we don't know exactly how much that works. But I mean, I guess I have to go with my own experience. My mom was three when she was adopted from Korea. She does not know a word of Korean. Three is a little bit different than six. I don't know. Is that weird? I think it's hard to say, especially as like a child adapting. So if no one's 
has spoken right. Ukrainian to you. I'm sure if she was in an orphanage where it's like, okay, or a situation where they knew they were going to be adopting her to Americans and English speakers, I have to sort of believe that she must have been brought up with some English even prior to the first adoption. I think the whole, is she Ukrainian or is she not, is a false logic of proving her identity. Although I I would love to see her 23andMe. That's interesting because we are going to get to that. Do you want to get to that right now? Her 23andMe? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, let's get, I didn't know there was a 23andMe portion. Okay, there there isn't actually tech, there was no 23andMe. But prosecutors did find a woman that they claimed to be her birth mom from Ukraine. And initially they had some problems because it was really, it was a crazy, crazy, weird, like legal loophole where the Barnetts had to like allow Natalia to get the DNA test and it was insane. But anyway, it all worked out because technically she's 22, right? She doesn't have to get their permission. And so they did find that this woman is, well, according to DNA, she's her birth mother. Oh, well then the Barnetts are nuts, man. They also, when they broke this story, pretended like they were still married. And then at some point through this, it was revealed they're actually separated. Sure. Because new spin would have been better if they were still married. There's still possibilities that I believe the DNA, but I don't know that that means necessarily. I don't know. What what's going on? Okay, so she this woman claims to have given birth in September of 2003, which is when Natalia claims to have been born, which is what the paperwork says. And I mean, if you believe the paperwork, then that all makes sense, but a lot of people don't for whatever reason. I think there's a lot of reasons to not believe the paperwork because isn't the Ukraine somehow still affiliated with the Soviet? Well, yeah, there's definitely a lot of problems. We have certainly seen that in our political context, for sure. Okay, so there's political problems with the Ukraine. Now, add that up with the Ukraine trying to give English speakers, trying to give them children. And children, the younger they are, the higher chance they have of being adopted. And so you have a family that took this six-year-old, adopted this six-year-old, trying to Americanize the six-year-old who also has dwarfism and scoliosis. I don't know. Just It just feels like the paperwork on this one to get rid of this child or get this child adopted. I could see it being fudged, but I think when you do a DNA test, it's more likely that the DNA wouldn't match. Sure, and- yeah. I guess I I think the only question, I, and this isn't really, I guess you're questioning the reliability of this woman, which is not necessarily fair, but it's like, does that necessarily mean that this was that she was born in 2003. I mean, does that lady have paperwork that she pops something out of her body? I mean, even if point. even if they fudged that paperwork, that's what I guess I was thinking. It's like this woman fudged her paperwork with the orphanage because the orphanage would need, or I mean, I don't even know if you call them orphanages now, but that's the word I'm using. So, so in the, just so you know, in most of the articles, they call it a group home in Ukraine. Okay, so the group home in Ukraine try to get rid of this child. And I think part of that's going to be a birth certificate. So whether if it's like the original birth certificate was lost in a fire or what have you, and they're able to fudge the birth certificate to say whatever they need to say, get rid of the kid. I think it's really remarkable that there is an origin story that is genetically proven between this and this lady. So let's say this lady gave birth in 1989, which that's a huge, huge stretch. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the crazy thing about this whole thing. Like, it's not like they were like, no, she's like five years old or anything like semi-reasonable. They're like, nope. It's over a decade. Yeah, it's a really long time and it's a little bit crazy. And that leads us to think that they were, they chose that date for a reason, which is they didn't want to have responsibility for this child anymore. That's exactly what it is. They could have gone as old as, they could even just said 18. Yeah, yeah. But I think when shit hits the fan, 22 is going to be a better age to lean on than 18. 
And if you have the legal counsel in Indiana to make that happen, because you're a prestigious white family who is adopting these children out of the goodness of your heart, and your whole career is about telling parents that they can handle any issue you have with child rearing, there's no way that they could fail at child rearing unless they were dealing with an adult the entire time. I do understand what you're saying, but I don't know that it necessarily is that simple because I don't think that they were... Before the son gets accepted and goes to Canada, I think that's when this whole like whole family grift starts. At least that's what it seems like to me. Well, I think he was already making a name before he got into this Canadian school. I suppose that's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's when he got in the Canadian school that they were like, okay, now we can dump this problematic child here. I would not be surprised if they were thinking ahead of like, okay, this child is a problem. She's smoking a pack a day in our house, threatening us with knives. Meanwhile, she's like, all 30 of my other family smoke cigarettes at 10. Yeah. Seems normal to me. It's really hard to say because she admits and she claims that she doesn't remember a whole bunch of that could be true or that could be false. Remembers like her previous anything or? Yeah. So so at least Michael Barnett claims that she doesn't remember anything from the orphanage. Natalia herself has said that she remembers very little from the 30 family juggling act that was 2008 to 2010. I don't know. I don't know if I would remember that now. Yeah, I I totally. Yeah, it's really hard to say. If every time you talk about what your previous family did or your past, that's probably not well received by anyone. So it's, I wouldn't, maybe I'm giving her a lot of credit, but this woman, if she, I just, I just can't picture this woman like grifting the system herself. Yeah. I think she's probably had help given the severity of her dwarfism. I think she's owed every penny. Yeah. That's fair. I feel like usually with the lies, there's a grain of truth. So I do wonder, like, this mother, like, could have said, yeah, she saw the pledge next to her coffee cup and she, like, freaks out or whatever. And, like, Natalia pushes on her leg when she's near an electric fence and she exaggerates it. So I, I do imagine that there are some, like, reasons behind the reasons that they give that she's older. Yeah, I think that both parties are making great points here. You have a child who behaves like an adult, but you're also adopting a child from a system where if they're adult or not, there's probably some bizarre behaviors you're going to pick up. Yeah, I don't think I finished my thought and I don't actually know what it is, but it was something along the lines of one of the doctor videos was trauma ages you and so a lot of people who are saying now like oh her vocabulary is much more advanced well she lived on her own for a year probably had to grow up and also between the times when she is being passed around in the foster system like I do have to grow up really fast yeah I think people are picking on things that are not it's all like false logic. It's like these things don't determine someone's age. The closest thing you're going to get are bone density tests. And right. if, did any of the bone test density tests even say she was 22? Like how did... There was some that did. And I think what the, the, the courts used in that case when they did determine that she was 22 was that I think one test said she was 22 and one test said she was 20. And so they were like, well, they're not accurate, but if two tests are kind of similar, then we can go with that. And since this family is pushing this narrative, they're like, well, why not? That's kind of how I see it. Well, it's goofy too because their initial initial bone density test at eight and I think part of that is because of her dwarfism I don't think right it's not like we're testing the bone density of someone who's formed the in the ideal human body so the density of her bones are already kind of like skewed yeah it didn't it did not seem like it was a very good idea to rely on these things for anything we can age rocks better than we can 
Yeah. Age yeah. humans. Is that where we're at? Our I, it does feel like that. A lot of people in the comment sections of these articles were like saying the same thing. Like, how do we know that a 2000 year old skeleton is 2000 years old if we can't even figure it out if a child is a child? And the thing about that is that you don't have to be exact. You don't have to be like, she is. 1953 years old you can just be like she's somewhere near 2000 years old well so. and you're you're testing different elements too you're looking at oxidation and sure yeah yeah environmental exactly. things versus like your body is the evidence and we're gonna yeah. age you and i think that's really hard to do because a lot of people think my younger sisters are actually my older sisters what? and that's not true but i don't correct them like we're bad at aging people. That's true. That's true. There is some issues that even if the uh, woman who is supposedly her birth mother is testifying that the judge is like, well, if the court already decided she's 22, then you have to go back and fix that before you can deal with this other lawsuit. It's bullshit, dumb bullshit court stuff. But there's a lot of steps you have to take. A lot of hoops. Yeah. I'm I'm sure that's not there by any design to disenfranchise people. I'm sure it's like that because of how thorough we are in our court system. It definitely probably has nothing to do with keeping certain groups of people access to certain things. And it's probably just 100% like American justice doing its best. Now, I'm going to argue against that a little bit just because I think that as liberals, I was doing some reading on Helen Keller again, just because, you know, you listened to our episode last week, you know why. <laughs> and it was, I felt like it was an, a good argument that a lot of leftists in the early 1900s felt like science was going to solve everything. And I think that we have to be really careful when it comes to that because science is always changing. There's still biases in science. Exactly. Depending on There's... who's funding the research. Exactly. So the, the problem is, I think this is just me giving you a reason why it wasn't, maybe it wasn't malicious that they put these laws into place, but someone like overthought it so much that that's where we got to. I'm sure there are laws that actually were placed to help people. But then there's laws that were forced into the system. Even the, what's the one that we're dealing with all the time? The Patriot, Patriot Act. Sure. Like, there's nothing patriotic about that act. And it was rushed through the system at a time when American people were looking for legislation after the 9-11. Right, right. Total side note, but... I mean, I, I'm, I imagine you agree with me, but that's why you should not be creating new laws about domestic terrorism. There's already laws in the books. Enforce <laughs> the goddamn laws. One interesting interview that came out of 2019 was a family that had fostered Natalia Grace in her period of fostering. And it was the Japals and the the, the DePauls are husband and wife with dwarfism with a daughter. And they came out and said they totally believe that Natalia is a young person. They sh the, the important part is that they showed a picture of her with baby teeth. And that's a big argument that the Barnets are making. She had adult teeth, so she couldn't be a child. But when you look at the pictures, it is pretty obvious. She had baby teeth. She was losing them. It was a pretty normal picture. I just thought that was a pretty good, strong argument. Point for Natalia. They think that's funny because you tend to start losing teeth at a pretty young age, like yeah, yeah five, six, seven. So if her bone density test came yeah. back that she was eight, right, and then compound that with the premature aging from the stress of living right. in 30 different homes yeah that's that in in conclusion i mean i think that's my conclusion as well i'm team italia yeah i am too this is dumb and i shouldn't even be saying it but i'm gonna say it anyway it's not a good look for her to be like my birthday is september 4th 2003 because it's like you don't know that for sure i don't know why you would bother with that kind of argument 
if that's just me. Yeah, I think that that's a very, very small hill in this battle. <laughs> of course, of course. I just, it just, those kind of things kind of bother me sometimes because it's like. Oh, I mean, I mean to be saying that like this date is so important. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I think like just finding the birth mother alone, even if the birth mother is lying about when she had the kid, just the fact that they found her is like enough for me to be like, yeah, she's a kid. Her mom said so. Yeah, yeah. If you can find her. And I'm kind of surprised that they haven't gone further. And I wonder if that is because like now we are very clearly aware that it is obviously a scam. And so interestingly enough, her Christine Barnett's trial was supposed to be held on January 25th of this year. There was nothing in the news. No idea what happened. What happened was that many of the charges were dismissed for both Christine and Michael. And that's because of the whole situation I was telling you about with the the court can't overturn the court. Oh, yeah. The court already determined she was 22. So they have to throw out those charges. But then the charges come up where it's like, you abandon a person who needed help because you shouldn't put someone with dwarfism in an apartment by themselves in a town they don't know in a bad neighborhood. Just not a good idea. Yeah, child or adult, this person is in your care and you failed. You absolutely failed. And so yeah. for that, you should pay some sort of fine or at least some sort of grievance towards the person who's suffering. Yeah, it's true. And so I don't know what's going to happen. No one really knows. I couldn't find anything. I was on the verge of going into the Indiana court system. And then I just didn't, I ran out of time. So I couldn't. <laughs> but I am, I imagine that it was postponed because of COVID things or whatever. But so far, there hasn't really been any news reports as to what has happened. Yeah, I'm sure the pandemic really changed people's focus. And then the Tiger King came out, which is tons more dysfunctional. They should be freed. But I think the important thing also is that Natalia is in a home that she's loved right now. And that's really important to me in the sense that we want people to thrive and survive and be citizens and be able to live their best lives or whatever. So it is really nice that she has that family now. She found her forever family. And I think that's important. I think so too. I think that's good. I think that was a good overview. Where can people find you, Molly? You can find me online at MollyMM9. That's Molly with an I. You can find me as well on Twitter and Instagram at Bridget underscore suck it. You can find the podcast at sex with ghost underscore. If you ever have a question, concern, thought, feeling that you want to share with us personally, you can always email us sex with ghost podcast at gmail.com. And please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. It helps get the word out and let people know that we're here. I do want to mention this now, and I probably will mention this again because it's so important, but I got a new microphone today and it's partially because of our patreon and i just really thank you guys for supporting us even a dollar really helps and we just really appreciate it because it just allows us to record these episodes so much easier oh yeah we have a patreon and we we do monthly shows and thank you for buying molly a new mic because she needed it yeah it was great and i hope i really hope that you can tell the difference at least if this episode then the next one because we will learn from our mistakes and learn to adjust to molly's soft voice <laughs> <laughs>